Hi, this is Robert Stephen Kramars of Intelliversity, and this is your Vision Master Podcast. And today I thought you'd enjoy an interview I did with Mark Cofano, who's the head of Overture and the chairman of the Innovation Weeks program, because it reveals some uh, information about why I do what I do and why Intelliversity does what it does. And this would give you some leverage when dealing with us. And I thought you'd also enjoy some of the bloopers that we left in on purpose so you could have some fun with us. And then afterwards, I'm sure you'll want to pick up the phone or make an appointment on the website to uh, talk further about how we can work together. So here goes. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Mark Cofano, founder of Overture and global chair of the Overture Innovation Weeks. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Robert Stephen Kramars of Intelliversity. Rob is passionate about helping early stage companies achieve the success they need and deserve. Rob tells me he's created a system wherein more than 50% of the companies he works with are able to successfully raise capital. That's especially important today as COVID-19 has turned many of those startups upside down. Let's join Rob online now. Hi there, Rob. How are you today? I'm doing great, Mark. Awesome. So happy to have you on our InnoView. Uh, you're one of our early stage uh, participants, and we're particularly excited to have you share some of the uh, information that you have about startups, scale-ups, and COVID-19, which is a fantastic subject. And before we get into the meat of that, I wanted to just make sure that I share with our audience a little bit about how you and I came to know each other. And in particular, um, the fact that we met each other in an investment conference and we started talking about Microsoft, which I thought was fantastic, uh, because you and I both had a background in the day with Microsoft. Could you just uh, remind everyone about kind of your connection to Microsoft? Well, simply, I was something of a celebrity in the early 80s as a young CEO of a medium-sized hardware company, and Microsoft was a client. I mean, pardon me, a vendor. And I got a call from Bill Gates, and he said, you know, I know what you're doing. We've met a couple of times. Coming up to Seattle, and let's talk about doing something together. So I got in a plane. We had dinner at the Space Needle with Paul Allen, and he offered me a position as, direct, as, as I recall, director of North American sales for Microsoft. That's Which, just uh, amazing. That's the call of a process. lifetime. Get, it was I a think call most of people. A lifetime. <laughs> yeah. The place where I've been kicking myself ever since for not taking the position uh, is uh, grown, scarred, and uh, blemished. But uh, that spot is uh, not visible to the public. But I've been, um, <laughs> uh, you know, the guy who took that position, I think, was the internal Steve Ballmer. And of course, he's now worth forty-nine billion dollars, and I'm not. But it's uh, worth. <laughs> well, hey, hindsight is twenty-twenty. But the the fact that you actually were asked by by Bill Gates to lead a significant part of Microsoft that was remarkable. And there's a couple of things I remember about you. First of all, that you had a bigger picture view of not only the startup world but also of the world in general. And and I'd like to focus on one thing in particular. Basically, the connection between startups and innovators. How are they the same? How are they different? And uh, what part of your world is actually focused on uh, helping startups and innovators? Well, actually, I'm, I'm a champion of inno innovation, per se, not necessarily startups. 
because innovation is action, intelligence, intelligence in action, right? So, and that, to me, that's the high, our highest value as human beings is intelligence in action. So I'm a champion for innovation. It just so happens my work day is around uh, supporting the financing of startups and scale-ups, not all of which are innovative. So we focus on innovative startups and scale-ups. Not all startups and scale-ups are innovators, and certainly not all innovators are running startup and scale-up businesses. So there's an overlap, like a, like a Venn diagram. Yes. Um, so we're looking for that center. I look for that center area where it's a startup or scale-up business and it's innovative. World-class well, innovative. I, I think in that regard, we share a common interest because I'm passionate about innovation, and uh, we'll get into a little bit more of that in the future. But in particular, we're in a, we're in a time where uh, we want to be able to focus uh, for the people who are listening in today on the subject of how startups and scale-ups are, in fact, living in a different environment some five months after this whole COVID thing started. But we'll get to that in a minute. The other thing that I thought was particularly fascinating when I got to meet you on the front end is you're kind of a philosophical guy. In addition to having a background in finance and startups and whatever, you have a background in physics and you got to study with a, another amazing, amazing guy. Maybe you could share the details of that. And it's perhaps caused you to come to a conclusion about the importance of science as it relates to the future of humanity. And if you'd share a little bit about that, I think our audience would be incredibly interested. Well, for, I studied under Richard Feynman, Nobel Prize winner at Caltech. I did not graduate uh, from Caltech. I went into business psychology at a different, at UC Santa Cruz. But I studied for two years under him when I used to hang out in his office and he used to hang out in our dorms. And uh, he, he taught that science requires humility because he said, uh, you know, everything, yeah. everything that we teach, that we learn is going to be obsolete or superseded um, at some point. So, um, therefore, uh, boy, that's interesting. What happened there? <laughs> we are in the Zoom room. We, we, we have, are... in fact, I think you can, why don't you just go ahead and bring it back and see if we can do it, Rob. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to riff on this. We're going to see, can you bring your background back? There it is. Oh, hey, I that's exciting. The, the, so what was it about science and humility? Did we just have a moment of humility? That's, that's a moment that requires humility right there, <laughs> um, incl including you could see my spare green screen in the back if you're not using it. So um, all the better. <sighs> so I, I came to understand that uh, even though we're going to be humble about what science, the results of science, that the effort or the endeavor of science, which is once again, intelligence in action by respecting reality, respecting evidence, that's the scientific method, and ignoring fantasy and superstition and emotion uh, is the really the highest value of mankind. It's where we come from. It's where we're going. Yeah, that, if we don't, that's, if we, that's if fantastic. We adapt, and if we don't adapt science as the common language and the common purpose of mankind, by science, I mean broadly discovery of what the universe, how it really works, yeah. small and large scale. If we don't adopt that, then we're doomed. Yeah, well, and, and you know what? I, I just want to share with you, you know, we've had those fun conversations about uh, where science and philosophy and even existence intersect. And obviously, anybody who's had the opportunity to traffic with people like Bill Gates and Richard Feynman is an interesting person to, to be sure. So I, I think everyone will be sort of appreciative of the fact that you're someone that can bring a lot to the conversation, not just the, the issues associated with how startups and scale-ups work, but ultimately 
how they work in the, in the greater uh, subject of the world at large. And so that brings me to another place where ultimately what we want to talk a little bit about is this uh, thing called COVID and ultimately the trajectory of startups and scale-ups that are living in a very different world, I think, based upon the communications I have with people. And, uh, and in particular, uh, the issues of funding, the issues of, of planning, maybe even the issues associated with whether they should stay in the same building, business rather. So uh, with that, maybe what you can do is tell me a little bit about this issue about uh, waste. Uh, you know, it seems to me that we're in a place where we have this world of startups and venture capital and early stage companies that are funding stuff, but we're not producing a lot of success. What do you think about that? Well, you know, venture capital is which I'm the business I'm in, and venture capital wastes about 80 to 90 percent of all capital. Um, it, it's designed around the principle that it'll still make money if it wastes 90 percent of the capital invested, and that's, to me, unnecessary. In fact, it's it never was necessary, but it's ever ever more unnecessary now because with the exponential change that we're going through, there's there's no way you can predict the success right. of a business looking at the business plan. It's three, four years from now, anything you would write in a business plan is, is fantasy. So the only, the only way to predict the future of a business is by looking at the team, the navigators and the captains of the team that have to, what we call the jockey, drive the business into the future and make the necessary pivots and changes. Who could have predicted COVID-19 a year ago, right? So, and it's just going to get more rapid and more unpredictable. Yeah. But if well, you do, if you, the interesting thing is, if you do predict or attempt to predict, if you understand how to do it uh, and predict the success of a business based upon the qualities of the management team, the success rates are much higher than, than 10 or 20 percent. And we've been very fortunate, to, my partner and I, uh, to achieve a 67 percent success rate. Well, we'll get to that in just a second, but I, I want to ask a question. And the mm -hmm. question is ultimately that if we sort of make an analog between uh, using uh, products and then recycling, uh, where that idea is, is that, you know, we can take plastic and we can uh, make it into more plastic or we can take things that we throw away and, and turn it into mm -hmm. things that can be used in a more affirmative fashion. I don't think many people have a problem with that idea. In fact, is I think a lot of people no. hold themselves accountable to be recyclers. And yet in the world of startups, it seems like it's exactly oh. opposite that. Everything yeah, is a zero-sum game. We don't recycle at all. In fact, is the whole idea is we're going to use up people, use up ideas. If they work, they work. And if they don't, we'll just start from scratch and we're going to you know, create a, a bunch of waste. Mark, that's a brilliant point because the 90, 80 to 90% of startups that are funded fail, right? Which is a huge waste of about $50 billion every year in the United States by itself. But even the ones that succeed and are acquired, most are acquired, are then stripped of most of their personnel and most of their business processes. And even that part's wasted. So um, it, 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 there's no recycling whatsoever as soon as a company is acquired. Right. So, so in the fall, there's, there's, a, there's a different, there's a different way to do it. Right. So yeah. in the fall, you're going to be doing some things that have to do with the innovation weeks, which are awesome. But in particular, mm -hmm. what I kind of want to do is I want to dig into a little bit now about what are you going to do that's innovative, Rob? What, what are you going to do that's off the, the, the track and a newfound way to eliminate some of this waste and make the industry not only maybe more economically efficient, but maybe even a little bit more socially responsible. So we don't have startups spending one year, two years, three years, five years of their life only be cast aside and uh, have to start again. How do, what are you going to do that's different? 
It's a waste of human talent. It's a waste of ideas. And most of all, and it's a waste of capital. So what we're doing differently is we are uh, teaching, well, in our own investing and teaching other investors how to predict and project the future success of a business based upon assessing the founders, assessing the founders. We call that betting on the jockeys as opposed to betting on the business plan. Okay. Now, uh, and it works. Now, when it comes to the jockeys themselves, the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the folks we call vision masters, we get to teach you how to be assessed positively by investors. Ah, right? I see. You see? So the, and look, every investor has a dark side and a light side. The dark side doesn't know how to do an assessment. So they do the best they can. They look at the business plan and so on and the resumes. The lighter side does believe that it's possible to project the success of a business based upon assessing the founders. Right. But you as a vision master, as the founder of a entrepreneurial business have to lead the investor by the hand to see exactly how to assess you, to right. see exactly right. how to judge you as a success. As a, as a future success. And, so and not only does the startup The onus falls on you as the owner, as the founder, to lead the investor by the hand. Right. To work in to more in a partnership. You, to assess you properly as the jockey. It makes perfect sense. And yeah. so maybe there's even something for investors to learn in this too, right? So you're in a circumstance where you have startups that are basically trying to uh, show their stuff as founders and the quality of their team and maybe not be as much focused on the business idea. We also have investors that are maybe a little bit myopic. Maybe some of them need well, to learn to ask better questions and more broadly speaking, not just do deals. What do you think about that? Well, that's exactly the point. If, they, if investors, we have the opportunity as investors to lead syndicates and to lead and teach other investors how to assess the qualities of a founding right. team. Right. If we do, if we do that, enough and consistently and with the help of the entrepreneurs themselves leading investors by the hand we can shift the entire industry to a less wastage ah, less fantastic economy well i think that both startups and investors have to be interested in anything that even sounds remotely like a 60 percent success rate and uh, so ultimately then we're going to have a couple different uh, events maybe a lot of events that are happening in your uh, channel and uh well, I'm just super excited, Rob. And so just to sort of sum things up, let me just say that what I think I heard was that number one, you're really a champion for not only startups, but also innovators. Second of all, you definitely think that at the end of the day, there's a synergy between science and uh, everything that's going on in the world that we can all sort of work together to create a greater outcome, that, that you, re you view the world of startups as being incredibly um, uh, powerful but a wasteful in industry in terms of how they come together right now and the, the root of that problem is ultimately that investors are not actually looking at the most important thing the most important asset which is that founder that is the jockey so, you know we don't replace the founder when we when we invest in a company most yeah. vcs or many do or try to that would be to us stupid because we're investing in the founder, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Rob, we're, you know, we're at that magical time where we need to transition a bit. First of all, mm -hmm. if people want to get a hold of you, how do they find you? What, what's the process? Intelliversity.org is the uh, company's website. Right. It's a nonprofit. And it's, uh, you can make an appointment with me the, on my calendar, which is found at Intelliversity.org connect, that's slash connect, or just go to the connect page. And that's the best way to reach me.
Yeah, exciting. And we'll have all that information at the tail end of this video. I just wanted to say again, thank you. You're an awesome talent and a friend. And I'm particularly excited to see what you and your associates are going to do at the Innovation Weeks from September 16th through September 22nd of 2020. <laughs> so we'll be in touch thank with you. you really soon. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Mark. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that. This is Robert Stephen Kramars of Intelliversity on your Vision Master podcast. Reach out to me at intelliversity.org slash connect where, where you'll find my calendar. And until then, that's the way it will be.